That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Yo, what's up? Thank you for tuning in today. Thanks to humans for bringing us in. Thanks to you for supporting the show. I'm Shane Raymer, and you're listening to That Sober Guy podcast, and we help people stay sober. We're coming to you live from San Diego at the Innovations and Recovery Conference. Uh, in this episode, we're talking to Senior VP of Marketing at Promises Behavioral Health, uh, Kathy Froster. And Kathy has 35 years of experience in the healthcare industry, uh, along with some great insight into a changing industry, uh, as well as uh, some phenomenal leadership uh, skills that we're going to talk about and a lot of experience there, uh, what it means to be a leader, how do we support people without trying to fix them, uh, all that good stuff. And she's a damn good time, too. We had a good time chatting on the beach yesterday at the uh, opening reception. Uh, so, yes, we're going to do that. And before we get to her, uh, be sure to check us out at thatsoberguy.com. You can also connect with us on Instagram, at Real That Sober Guy, and on Twitter, at Shane Raymer. Uh, so a lot of people always ask, too, what is in, uh, Innovations in Recovery? Uh, it's about everything new in behavioral health care. So why are we here? We're here to bring you some of the top experts and recovery advocates to help inform you on what's going on in the recovery community, as well as the treatment industry, and of course, have some fun. Uh, if you want more info about any of Foundation's other events, whether it's Moments of Change, uh, Innovations in Recovery, you can go to foundationsevents.com and you can find some more information there. Uh, last thing, finding the right treatment option for addiction and mental health illness can be tough. And that's why we've continued to uh, partner with Foundations Recovery. Uh, they stay true to their mission, hold high ethical standards, and provide treatment in a nationwide network of residential and outpatient programs. So if you or a loved one needs some help, uh, you can go to foundationshelp.com slash soberguy, or you can call 833-81-SOBER. That's 833-81-SOBER. You can talk with an admissions coordinator about treatment options that can answer any questions for you, and I promise you'll be in good hands. Kathy Frosser. Did, did I say that right, too, Frosser? You did. Okay, you I thought great. so. Yes. Um, welcome to Sober Guys. It's so cool to have you on. So great to meet you in person finally, and I really appreciate you taking some time today. You bet. I'm very excited to be here, and as you know, I'm a big fan. I know. It's so cool. <laughs> I know. I was so excited <laughs> to meet you face-to-face. Yeah. So um, very great to talk about these things, and thank you for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate that uh, when we first started chatting. It's always cool to hear, like, oh, yeah, like I listened to the show before because I talked to some people, and we talk, and um, you know, they, they haven't exactly heard kind of the vibe of the show. Yeah. So it's always nice when somebody knows the vibe, that it's very open and free-thinking. Free right. And, uh, you know, we, we talk real talk, I guess, around. Here. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what I love about yeah. it. The real talk. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So you have over 30 years, 30 years, right? 35. 30, 35 years. It's crazy. 35 years in the healthcare and industry. And I'm only like, you know, I was two when I started, as you know. <laughs> that's right. Oh, I knew that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> okay. That was exactly okay, cool. right. Yeah. Make sure we get that out of the way so everybody <laughs> knows out there. Yeah. So thir- so you're 37. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but I mean, so what got you into healthcare in the first place? You were a nurse before, right? I was. I was. So, you know, when I was growing up in the middle of the Midwest, um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I know I failed half the secretarial classes I took. So I'm like, hmm, what should I do? And so I started working um, actually at a nursing home and Got taking it. care of patients there and just went into nursing and really quickly learned that what I was really into was education and training and connecting people. Got so it. really went down that road after that. Yeah. 
And the nursing home, that's got to be a tough gig, too. I've been, uh, you know, we've had friends and family members who have actually been in a nursing home. And so we've been in there and um, we, we would talk often about that, like doing a job like that. That's a difficult job, I'm sure, being in there every day. <laughs> it is, I think. But, you know, what's really kind of neat to me about what we do now and, and what I'm doing now and, and working in addiction. It's really hard to choose a nursing home. So families mm. are trying to figure That's that out. Point. That patient is trying to figure it out. Yeah. And we talk about insurances and communities and costs and all that thing. Yeah. So, which is exactly where we're at today here. Yeah. yeah and totally. we cho- how do we choose a treatment center and how do we go about getting the right thing that's going to be clinically appropriate, but also yeah. just that personal appropriate, yeah. right? For success. Totally, totally. So what, what makes you uh, passionate about working in recovery and treatment? Um, any personal experience or uh, just something that you kind of fell into? What did that look like for you? Yeah, so there's probably a lot of million reasons I could yeah. say. Um, I don't know anyone who's not touched by addiction or, or that trouble, yep. but I've had some definitely very personal experiences. Um, my husband, uh, who's my ex-husband actually now, but unfortunately the struggles that went through that and watching what happened as he tried to get sober and, and tried to find that path, yeah. how we had very little support. And so mm. I'm really invested in growing that support and growing that path from wanting to get treatment or maybe needing to get treatment and getting into treatment. So that's part of it. And then I actually have a lot of family members who have behavioral health problems and have addiction problems. So there's that component as well. But then there's one more thing that I think is the most pure to me. And that is that I know that no matter what you do, the journey in life is a challenge. And so when someone is trying to get help and move on and make changes, how do we get there? And totally. so that's really where it brought me into working here. I think too, you know, one of the things you pointed out right off the bat and that, uh, you know, after I asked that question was it affects everybody. So it, it's funny because it's actually not funny, but everywhere I go, whether it's at work, you know, in, in corporate, uh, you know, um, uh, industry, the grocery store, my kid's school, wherever the hell you go, a lot of, the, most of the time this comes up. What do you do? You know what I mean? What right. do you, you know? And so obviously I'm in recovery. I'm very open about it. And I mean, 99.9% of the time, um, you would you would think that um, the person that you're talking to, it doesn't affect everybody, but it does. And almost every time that person says, oh, my, my brother, my mom, um, myself, you know, right. uh, it does. It touches families all over the place and opening up about it and talking about it, which is why I'm so open about it, even at, at you know, workplace or wherever, I think it helps to break down some of that stigma. Yeah, I agree. And something was really interesting when I first started talking to people about treatment centers is that everyone who understood what happened in a treatment center was in the treatment industry. And Mm. I loved the idea of coming not in recovery. Yeah. I'm not in recovery. I'm very honest about that. But why can't I be just as passionate? Why can't I make just as... Wait a minute. We should all make that much of a difference, (laughs) right? I agree. And so to me, that's like, that's how it all connects, right? It is just a huge spider web of connections. And we should all be involved in it. When you get to see the you get to see the outside perspective of it and dealing with your ex-husband as well, mm-hmm. there's something that everybody can bring to the table in recovery. Like I, I think we had talked a little bit about this before. You know, my, my wife Jess, she comes on the show often and she does her she you know done her, her own twelve step and I got out of treatment, came home and like, you know, I wasn't fixed, but like, yeah, I had this new thing. Well, where does that leave our spouses? Where does that leave our family members who, you know, are still 
they didn't get that help, you know what I mean, how to deal with somebody who is struggling with addiction. So it, I, I guess they say it's a family disease a lot of the time, and I, yeah. that really does ring true. Um, do you guys work? So when when um, when people come into treatment, is there a lot of family support most of the time? There is. I think I'll use the example of the ranch in Tennessee because I'm from Tennessee, so I'm really passionate about that. Um, so the really importance about connecting the families to support the families, yeah. but also to teach and so and to do it together. You know, the person who's in recovery, working to go through recovery, got get it, into recovery, it, yeah. but also working in that family group. So when you go to the ranch, it's on this huge lot of land, and there's one house that's at the very top of a hill, and that house happens to be the family group session, and it's not a couple of days, wow. it's actually like four days, and it's that participation of putting the family back together yeah. and supporting each other, yeah. I get so excited about that, so anytime totally. you're helping the family, anytime you're connecting, because that's where my end of, of yeah. this comes in, Exactly. it's the thing I'm the most passionate about. Yeah. What, so what do they do, like for an example at the ranch, they take the whole family in for almost a week and actually go through... Um, you know how to how to deal, how to cope, uh, what what are what are triggers for your spouse or your loved one, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and also like, how do you support as you get out? I mean, I think a lot of families first time around will feel like, oh, they're going to be cured when they get out of treatment. Totally, yeah. It's a miracle, yeah. right? They yeah. forget that this is a lifetime experience, yeah. and so that's one of the first things they learn. And then just understanding like, how do you support that, and yeah. what do you do to help that person be successful? And to remember to treat them without judgment going yeah. forward, just like yeah. going back. Which is hard sometimes if they were a real yeah. asshole. Amen, brother. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, at this, I mean, yeah, that's the, and I think that's where the learning experience comes in for all of us, like mm-hmm. patience, um, tolerance, all that, yeah. all that stuff. Um, let's talk about leadership a little bit. You're an amazing leader. I've only heard good, good things about you Thank from you. a couple different people that I, you know, connect with at foundations. Um, and, uh, you know, to you, what makes, what makes a good leader? I think a really good leader is willing to understand the value of each person in the, in the team. And, or, or just cool. that value of that unique person. And look for those little things instead of always just looking for what they want as a leader. Like, yeah. I want this result. Well, that yeah. result's important. That what's really important is everyone has their strengths. So yeah. I'm really kind of into the strength finder issue, you know, yeah. the idea of that find my strengths in the people that work with me. Yeah. And I'm going to win. That's I mean, good. we're always yeah. going to succeed. And I hope that people find the strengths in me and then understand that my weaknesses are my weaknesses. Yeah. It's okay. Everyone has them, right? Yeah, everyone everyone does have them. Everyone has their strengths on the opposite end. But how do you how do you get people to do stuff if uh, nobody wants to be told what to do, right? <laughs> Especially my 8-year-old. She's Amen. her own yeah. yeah, she's her own little lady. Um, so I'm learning even in that stage as a parent like how do I guide her and help her make these decisions on her own? Um, so she doesn't feel like I'm telling her what to do. You know, yeah. and that's a big part yeah. of being a leader, I feel yeah. like, whether it's in a father, a mother, or in, uh, you know, business. Right, right. It's funny. I actually think a lot about my, I have two daughters. They are uh, 27 and 28. So they're grown adults and they're very, you know, successful in their world. Yeah. And um, one lives in Denver, Colorado, and one lives in Austin, Texas. But you may think, wow, do I even see them? I live in Nashville. Um, So here's how I've guarded my success with my girls, and now I'll tell you how I do it with my employees. But I like both of their individual unique parts Because they're different. Because they're very different. different. 
One is a hairdresser in downtown Denver with lots of tats, and the other one is a school teacher. She teaches high school math. Oh, yeah, that's, to- oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's totally two at different ends of the spectrum right there. And yet, we're such a close family unit. My husband, my daughters, and I, um, you know, our group texts would crack you up, um, or they at least crack me up, mm-hmm. uh, which is on a regular connection and a regular basis. But what I really knew when I was that we did a good job in something. We know we screwed up in a bunch, don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, Lots of perfect. past issues, we're yeah. not going there. But um, <laughs> I would say that the reason we knew we felt like we've done a good job is because they call us and talk to us about what's going on yeah. or when they're trying to make a decision. And just like my employees do as well, I don't necessarily give them the answer because old mentors in our, like in my parents' age, yeah. you're supposed to just believe everything they said. Yeah. Done, right? Yeah, that's it. What I Done. say, that's it. Yeah, you don't don't question it, don't ask. Like exactly. I'm, I'm the boss. <laughs> but we're different mentors in this day and age, yeah. and we recognize that people, no matter what your age, have value. Yeah. So let's talk about like what you're thinking yeah. and where that path might go wrong. Yeah. And then my oldest daughter, who has been through quite a bit of therapy, she's very fond of saying, why doesn't anybody know coping skills? What is wrong with yeah. this world? They should teach that in kindergarten. Yeah, they should, too. They yeah. really should. Yeah, totally. All the way up through high school. They sh- yeah. And don't we all worry about that every day? So I really do treat my employees um, just like I treat myself. And I know that I have weaknesses and strengths. Yeah, I know good. that I'm going to recognize where your strength is, if we can work together to come up with good solutions, then we're going to yeah. get there. Yeah. And isn't that what I do with my daughters, with my husband, with my own personal life? And I totally. do call people on their shit. Yeah, that's good too. <laughs> that's, yeah. And I think being open and honest like that helps build uh, not only respect, but build strength up in individual skills and the team too. Um, yeah. You can't, that's, I guess, enabling if we're not calling shit out, right? right? I mean, in some sense, whether what situation it is. Um, and I want to say too, you know, maybe there's someone out there listening right now who's in, who's in recovery and they're just focused on the recovery and they're going, well, what the hell does leadership have to do with this? Well, it really does have a lot to do with it because whether you're working with a sponsor, eventually maybe you'll be a sponsor one day. Uh, maybe you, um, lead in your household as a parent. Um, you know, maybe you're, uh, you know, at work, you're, I mean, there's all kinds of things that it kind of, uh, falls over into, um, and I think one of the other questions I had was like, we try to fix people a lot of the time. It's not my job to fix anybody. The more I try to fix people, the worse it gets. I've tried with like family members yes. and stuff. It just, I finally learned that like, okay, not my, not my job. How do you lead without trying to fix someone if they have something that's, that's jacked up? So I think, um, one frequent communication. Yeah. Right. And so being open, yeah, honest and being willing to listen to the thing you don't want to hear. Yeah right? Um, That's hard sometimes. Oh, it's so hard. But uh, I do think listening is like the most important skill set we can we can gain, Mm -hmm. right? And if you can just listen and not try to answer everything in your head, just hear that person out. I think that's really one of the most important skill sets. And then we can connect that. And and I know sometimes probably the person I do it the least with is my husband. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. But, <laughs> which is really true. Yeah. Um, but true with Jess and I too. That's why I'm laughing right now. Cause yeah. So, but you know, if I can apply that in any part of my life where I'm just going to take a moment to listen and then maybe I can figure out what's going wrong. And then the other thing I'd like to think of is scenarios. So when something, someone's telling me something that's going wrong or I don't like the way they're going, I start trying to walk scenarios with them. So like, how did you get there? Like, how yeah. did you get that thought pattern? Um, you know, how did you take step A to step B? Yeah. And so let's walk it back 
and sometimes we can find a different path to go in and I think that's what a lot of people need to do like when they're going through recovery sometimes they right we have to walk it back totally and walk yeah. it forward in a different direction yeah and so why not do that with every people that you, you know all the people yeah. you interact with well while, while you're leading them um, in the same well actually let, let me say this too I feel like there, there needs to be like a good balance of um, personability there too in order to build that trust and relationship. So um, sometimes I feel like we can let titles like get in the way of stuff when it, and, and people will, um, they, they, don't, they can't be themselves. I'm, and I'm, I guess I'm more or less talking about in a work environment yeah. to some extent um, where it's like, why can't we just ease up a little bit and be ourselves to some extent? And I think that forms that stronger bond Versus like, let's just come to work and put our heads down and just do our job. You know what I mean? I mean, we've got to do that too, but there's got to be some sort of balance there and trust and relationship, I guess. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have a really good, um, you know, manager, Marlene at at, uh, PG&E where I work at. And we we have that relationship, like Mm -hmm. where I can open up about stuff. Same with her. Um, Sometimes, I think you and I talked about this too. Sometimes I'll get on a conversation that's supposed to be 20 minutes and two hours later, we're going, (laughs) what the hell? What did we just talk about? But I mean, it's not always a bad thing because it does build that trust. And uh, it so it sounds like that's something that you really take, a, you know, to heart too with your teams and people that you lead. Yeah, I think there's three great things of every great leader. Um, besides all the ambition and the direction and whatever you're going to yeah. me, it comes with transparency. Yeah, it's good. Um, as much honesty as possible, you know, because sometimes you can't share everything. Yeah, But you totally. can be honest about what you do share. Exactly. Right? So yep. transparency, honesty, and then that communication, listening yeah. to each other. Yeah. If I find a lot of leaders, um, if they're afraid of what that person's going to respond with, they, do, they just don't say anything. Yeah. Or they just don't like return your call or return your email <laughs> or whatever yeah. that is. Yeah. Um, maybe it takes a little bit of, uh, what do you call it, a little bit of confidence yeah. and a little bit of um, guts. But sometimes you just got to go right in. Yeah, go for it. Somebody taught me that in nursing school. They said, um, when I first go out on the floor to take care of a patient, Start with the words patient first. Walk, walk into that room that you're scared to death to take care of that mm. patient. And then the rest becomes so much easier. Yeah. And I think it was a great skill they taught me. And I applied to everything. Did, did you like being a nurse? I did. I loved yeah. being a nurse, yeah. yeah. I um, I wouldn't say that. I, so I love the process of being a nurse and just connecting. And I love old people. I'm sorry. It's a thing. I just love them. But you know what I love most about old people? Is they tell you like it is. They don't care about social patterns anymore. I just, I just talked to somebody here yesterday, and I think he said he was about to turn 70. His name's Bob. Um, I can't remember where he was from now, but he was hilarious. And he came up and he said, we were kind of shooting shoot shit or whatever. And he goes, you know, I'm almost 70. I don't really give a shit anymore anyways. I want to retell. He was real honest. And he said it in a good-hearted way, of course. But you're right. They're very honest. Like, what do you got to lose? I mean, you, you've seen a lot of stuff, and, you know, you kind of realize – I think that the small things, like we shouldn't sweat a lot of the time. You know what yeah. I mean? Like this life is short, so might yep. as well have some fun. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. So yeah. think about it that way. I mean, like every yeah. every year I get a little bit older, I'm like that much closer to. Yeah. <laughs> it's inevitable. One day we're all going. You know, we're all going <laughs> to the same place. Exactly. Um, well, if we kind of if we kind of roll into. Uh, you know some some uh, industry stuff like yeah. a lot of one of the main conversations going around on here is everything's changing right so maybe can you can you kind of give a rundown on like 
what like the treatment industry looked like to where it's headed today? And I mean, you, I don't know if that's it maybe just, you know, as brief as you want or if you want to go into detail, feel free, but um, and just an idea. So I have a, a great opportunity to have a view of coming in right at the end of kind of the heyday yeah. of when things were going really swell. Yeah. Most everybody was had to private pay because insurances didn't even recognize addiction, so they yeah, weren't paying, right? It wasn't, yeah. And then um, treatment centers had to be really beautiful, which was a key to it. Got to have water by them, right? <laughs> that's exactly right. That's a law. Couple palm trees. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe a fire pit. Exactly. <laughs> and then I came right in when um, bad press became a number one topic of the day, right? Uh, when people start talking about the opioid crisis like it was a curable instant thing. Yeah. Because if we just hold the pills back, nobody's going to be in Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's going to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's perfect, right? right? Um, so I came in right at that time, so it gave me some great perspective. Uh, I'd had my own personal experience around the idea, and then there's this whole idea of watching the business part of it. Yeah. So, whoops. So when I think about the changes, I actually think um, the changes took everybody by surprise. Yeah, it seems like it came out of nowhere almost. I mean, but did it? You I know, don't think so, though. I don't but think it, yeah, so but it, it just maybe it just maybe it happened fast. I don't know. Yeah, I think it. I think everybody thought everything was just going so swell. Or maybe there was a big denial factor that it was changing. Maybe that's think? what it was. <laughs> In this industry, do you think? No, <laughs> no way. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so, funny. yes, I would go with that. Yeah, I think um, that's fair. Actually, I was talking yesterday. I had a, a group talk about just how we help people get into treatment yesterday. Yeah. And um, I talked about my top five kind of things of what I think changed the industry. So now what we are is we're really focused on um, less about the amenities and more about the true treatment and the outcomes, mm. in my opinion. I think that's one of the big parts of it. Not that people didn't care before. What was it? The top five. I'm just taking a couple little notes that's here. Okay. That's okay. My top five. Yeah. Number one, bad press, bad mm. media. I mean, you can't. If you scroll through 2020 shows, I guarantee you're going to find at least a few on a bad treatment center yeah. and how they were enticing people to come into treatment and how they were helping people get drugs or oh, you man, know or they so won't. Sad. It is. But do you know how such a small amount of the people that are out there providing treatment are that? Yeah. So tiny. And so I would build on top of that when I talk about the bad press. Um, I would add to the opioid crisis discussions. And then I would add to that one more thing is politics. Yeah, um, totally. You know, everybody's trying to have that voice without talking about anyone getting into recovery. Yeah. yeah you know, so little talk yeah. about people getting help. Yeah. So much talk about how everybody's done everything wrong. Totally. I th and I, th I think that blows over into even outside of um, the recovery industry mm -hmm. in itself. Just bad press and media is what sells unfortunately you yes, know what i mean does. and so they just blow every little thing up and make it this huge deal um and there's a lot of people that uh have a lot of anxiety and fear over that because Absolutely. they take it to heart and it's like like you said there's always going to be a bad apple on every tree to quote the old cliche yes, that exactly. probably my grandfather's grandfather's grandfather <laughs> came down yeah but for real you know i mean that's that's yeah. part of it um, but so I had a bad press politics. What, right. did, okay. what, what were the other ones? So I'll say that's the first piece that starts to erode trust in people trying to seek treatment. Right? Okay. So this, the next one is um, is 
negative talk. So because everybody was feeling so pressured in this industry, they started to kind of get inclusive where you didn't want to talk to people outside the industry because nobody understood what you were doing. So the negative talk actually started to create around within the industry with people talking treatment centers to treatment centers. Oh, that one closed or this one's in trouble. or So again, now that conversation becomes gossip. Negative gossip. (laughs) And what do people love to hear more? Negative gossip, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Absolutely. What? You know what? And then, yeah. And then it's like the old game of telephone, too. One thing starts on one end, and by the time it gets around to the end, it's a completely different story, maybe blown up 10 times. Exactly. Yeah. And then you got the conspiracy theory around that, which part yeah. of negative, you know, that if, um, if somebody tells you something simple, it can't be true. So yeah. you're obviously not telling me everything. Totally. What's Total the, what's conspiracy. The rest of it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Totally. So that builds and erodes trust more, right? So those two things are happening. And then the, the next thing that happens, I think, is really interesting, and that is that um, the questioning about how people are paid, how people, how treatment centers um, pay their employees, how treatment centers get reimbursed for things, um, all this like looking into the business aspect, and that question of like, oh, wait a minute, nobody's regulating this group, and so regulations kicked in. So we don't have a lot of regulations, but we do have regulations that I think are very important. Yeah. But that, but all you again is hear about the negative people who can't follow yeah. those regulations. Totally. So you know that's my number three. I think that really erodes, tar- you know, erodes trust a lot. Um, and then I, 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 my final two just really come down to people in general. So a lot less people are feeling confident about selecting a treatment center. Mm. So. What do you do? You got the internet. You're searching, right? Or you may hear word of mouth, and so it starts to become competition. Yeah. And competition changed that in- this industry a lot. Instead of everyone kind of in that same goal, yeah. that kind of hit in as well. Um, I think all of these things, by the way, can be flipped, and they're often really good. Totally. If we can think about it. So, and, and my last thing is, it's really just this idea of. Um, we have this stigma, right? And now the treatment centers have a stigma yeah. against them. And so now, I guess the voice that people have are the most important things that we can do. And not enough people are really speaking because they're afraid that talking about change might be saying that what they did before was wrong. Yeah. And I wouldn't say what anyone did before was, well, maybe a few, but what anyone, <laughs> well, maybe a few. Yeah. I don't be a, but I don't think what they, everybody had a purpose and that's yeah. to helping people start in their life of recovery, right? Totally. And so we've heard all that. And I think the most important thing we can do is people like yourself, people like myself, we need to have this conversation out loud. Yeah. Yeah, we need totally. to talk about the fact that these things have happened. We're living in those worlds and let's turn that conversation around so that we can talk about the good things that people are yeah. doing. It's kind, of, it's kind of funny, like, as you're saying this out, and those are really great, by the way, so I made sure I took a, a note of each one, and I'll probably talk to you a little bit after, but um, that's, a, that's a really good example of just recovery in general. Like, okay, so just take me as a, as a person who struggles with addiction. I had to go in and dig out all the bad shit and stuff from my past and stuff mm-hmm. that I did and that I didn't do all that stuff in order to move on and get past it and and start to focus on what my real purpose is and mission was and the person that I really am kind of sounds similar to that in that same aspect. Like we have to have those conversations and get some of that past stuff that's old now out in the open. And I wonder 
I wonder if a part of that is, and I can't remember, I talked about this with, with one of the other um, uh, guests earlier today, but how, I think it was Harry actually, Harry Nelson. He just wrote the book, The United States of Opioids. Oh, um, I have heard about liberating that. Liberating uh, a nation in pain. So we had a good conversation, but we, cool. one of the things we were talking about was, um, was how it's hard to, uh, it's hard to speak up now about stuff sometimes because there's a lot of fear that people are, their, their reputations are going to be hurt. Their businesses are going to be hurt. Um, so I think it all depends on each individual situation, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but having these conversations is extremely important. So if you got a voice out there, speak up, get off your ass and get after it. That's what Do I'm it. trying to say. Yes. <laughs> yeah. How about Definitely. that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. We're, you know, I, I have realized that um, I have a, um, a little part in this whole thing and I love to to try to do my best at that. It sounds like you do too. <laughs> I hope so. I want to yeah. give it my best shot, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's I've, what we I've can definitely do. chosen to like get over any kind of fear of speaking on the internet or talking to people or just, you know, sending out messages because yeah. I mean, really I know I'll make mistakes. I've, absolutely, we all do. Yeah, that's okay. what makes us better. <laughs> that's what makes us better. Yeah. Learn to that next section. That's right. So if someone um, if someone out there is listening uh, and maybe they're entering into a leadership position. Maybe they're going to sponsor somebody and they've never sponsored someone before. I think the concept of leadership is kind of the same. Uh, what advice would you give somebody? Well, first, I think check yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Are you ready? I mean, it, it, yeah. it is a lot, as we all know. And um, for us to be able to help someone else, we have to be good where we are right now yeah, today. And big. I think that's important in treatment. I think it's important in leadership. Yeah. I mean, in friendship and marriage and all that stuff. We kind yeah. of have to be ready for that, right? Yeah. Um, but I think the, the probably the next few things I would I would say, let's, let's talk about probably the top three, and that is just I think you have to um, be okay with being open and listening and learning from that person mm. you're with. Yeah. You've got, you know, you've, you can learn from them and they can learn from you. And so you guys will both get further for it versus just one of you getting further from it. Um, we're not a parent or a teacher or God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, the, by the, for the record. Yeah, uh, just, for those just to be you. clear out there. Yeah. <laughs> so go ahead and be comfortable with who you are and, yeah. and, and understand that we're not going to tell someone how to get better. We talked yeah. about that earlier. Yeah, we did. You can't tell someone how to takes steps. I've, I've to talked do. to friends and family, so I've been blue in the face about what they could do, what they should do. Thankfully, I don't do it anymore, but, you know, early on. And it came from a place of love and wanting to see them, you know, improve and knowing that there's help out there and that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's not my decision on what right. somebody does or what they don't do. It's up to them. So I think that's a good point because we get lost in that. And that's even when the codependency starts coming in. Yeah. I'm going to fix that person. It's like, no, no you're not. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And my third thing is to come from a point of love, care. Yeah. I mean, even as an employer or, you know, as a leader in a group of team, you really got to care about those people. Because yeah. I guarantee if I have someone that I don't care as much about, I'm not helping them any more than helping me. Yeah. It's just, I got to care about what, what's going to happen with them or where they're going to go or how they, and I, I get excited when someone gets a great job 
and leaves me. Not because they leave me. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love succeed. loyalty. I want yeah. them to stay. But how cool is it that they move on to the next thing that's yeah. even better? Yeah. And I had a great uh, CFO when I first kind of came into working in um, actually in education, healthcare education. And he always celebrated anyone as they moved on to another great opportunity. It's awesome. And so it's like a big network that we have from that group as well. And yeah. so I think get excited about that. Get excited about helping someone move yeah. on to that next step in life. And that's good, right? That's good. Yeah, that's good. We need people like that. So, sometimes we don't have people that build us up. You know, we got to hang around people like that. Boy, people are good at tearing you down, though. Uh, they? Absolutely. They sure are. Yep. That's most of it. Number one skill. I got to say, that's one of my wife's gifts. Um, man, she has a gift of, um, of uh, speaking into people. Um, I like that a lot. So sometimes you know, and that's something that we're working on our own personal stuff too. But she is just so damn good about, um, you know, hey, if you come to her with a problem, whether it's, uh, you know, she's a hairstylist as well. So uh -huh. she she's also a therapist, right? Because oh, wow, she sits yeah. in the yeah, hairstylist chair. <laughs> exactly. So she comes home exhausted some days too because just, you know, talking and, um, but she's so good about just speaking into people and building them up and telling them it's going to be okay and that they can, you know, God's got a plan. All that's just, yeah. she's just a great at it. So we need people like that. And thank God I have her. She does that a lot for me, you know, yeah. and it's important. It's a really important thing. So um, anything else you want to add anywhere? Anyone can get in contact with you. They can check out Promises. Um, Absolutely. Any, yeah. So give, so give it a plug. Yeah. So I'm really ex excited about Promises. Um, in all honesty, I think it is really important, the most important thing we do as a, as a treatment provider is that we have to commit to what we're doing for the person who seeks treatment. Yeah. And we have to accept anybody where they are and where they need to go, you know? And um, so for Promises, I get really excited about sharing that message. Yeah. Um, I really want to, I, I, it's funny, I want to say this, I really want to promise that no matter where you go to treatment, that taking that first step is the right step. That's no matter huge. how crappy it is, no matter how yeah. much road the road's going to be struggling, it's the right step to start it. Yeah. And um, I promise the next steps can be, you know, a little bit better, a little bit yeah. better, right? A little bit at a time. Um, yeah. And getting a hold of me, you know, one of the best ways is uh, uh, honestly just pop in on LinkedIn if you're if you've okay. got that going on because it's just Kathy Dot Frossard. Um, and uh, and I do a lot of postings and a lot of sharing on that. Um, so I love that kind of connection and. You can reach me at um, kathy.frosser at promises.com. So, awesome. um, super excited. I'm just so grateful again. I'm a big fan. Guys, <laughs> he's amazing. Uh, so sweet. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, in the mission and the vision and doing yeah. this. Thank um, you. No, it, it means a lot. So thank you for letting me come on. I, yeah, I, I appreciate all your support and encouragement. And uh, uh, thank you. It was really good to meet you in person finally and stuff too. So hopefully we'll chat again. Um, you can check us out at thatsoberguy.com. I'll put uh, any links for Kathy in the uh, show notes. So if you want to check those out at Promises or uh, or find her on LinkedIn. Uh, connect with us on Instagram, at RealThatSoberGuy, on Twitter, at Shane Raymer. Uh, and thank you again for tuning in. I love you guys. Uh, we've got a lot of a lot of good uh, responses and messages and uh, communication this week. And I know you guys are doing well out there and, and sticking to it. So uh, thanks again. Peace, love, respect. And good luck to you. You. Oh, I don't know anything about you 